Good morning. Shall we pray again? (laughs) Father, I want to thank you for everything that you want to speak to us this morning. Lord, we've already prayed that, that we would be more hungry for you. And Lord, I pray as we just explore your word together, that you would answer that prayer. You'd actually make us more hungry. Give us ears to hear everything you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Noah. Noah. Can we have Hebrews eleven seven up? Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I wonder what image comes to mind when you think about Noah. Do you kind of see a, an ark and animals in two by two coming in two by two? That's kind of the... The image, it's such a, it's a popular kid's toy, isn't it, even now? And, and I think sometimes we're so used to that image that it's, it's kind of hard to get beyond that. But this morning we're looking at Noah's faith and, and what actually is an extraordinary example to us of how to walk by faith. Back at the verse 1, I don't think I've asked for this, but verse 1 of chapter 11 in Hebrew says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Or confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's an extraordinary verse. And in other words, faith in God enables us to carry a conviction now of something that's not yet happened. It's not wishful thinking. Faith isn't wishful thinking. It's not a a hunch that something might happen or or a leap in the dark. I think sometimes we think of faith in those ways. Faith is based on the reality of hope. I love the fact that Scripture talks about a conviction or an assurance of things not yet seen. And the foundations of our faith come from God's word, both, both here in scripture and his, his revelation to us, that's personal and corporate. Because God speaks to his people. And our, our assurance, our faith is based on his word. And hopefully what we're gonna see this morning especially in the story of Noah, is that that faith can be contrary to circumstance and worldly wisdom. So let's let's go back to the original story, Genesis chapter 6, starting at verse 9. Can we have that one up? Genesis 6, starting at verse 9. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. 
So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah lived in a world that was horribly corrupt and wicked, and it broke God's heart. And I wonder if we recognise that, you know? We live in a society that is corrupt. We face the same challenges in many ways. We only have to look around us and see things that break God's heart. And that's, that's why Noah is a brilliant example for us. Because he was the one who found favour in the eyes of God. And so the first thing I want to say is, can, can we genuinely say that we are a godly people who stand out from the culture around us? Or have we become like the world around us? And, and actually we have a daily choice whether we're going to blend in or whether we're going to stand out. And it's not always easy. So what was it that, that made Noah stand out? It was, his, it was his faith. That's what it says in that amazing verse in Hebrews. By faith... And in holy fear, Noah was obedient to God. And if we go back just to Hebrews 11, verse 6, it actually says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's faith that draws us into that place of intimacy with the Lord. The, the first verse in that passage in Genesis, Genesis 6, 9, says, Noah walked with God. And I love that because actually one of my favourite things to do is to go for a walk with friends. I love it. Because when you walk with someone, you, you go in the same direction, obviously. You kind of, you fall into step with your friends so that you can have a conversation with them while you're walking. You go at the same pace if you're going for a walk with someone. And, and it's, a, it's a way to in, actually to enjoy close fellowship with the person that you're walking with. You can enjoy your surroundings together. I love it. There's nothing better than going for a walk. And so I love that Noah walked with God because to walk with God is to be in his presence. It's impossible not to get close when you go for a walk with someone, really. And if we're going to be godly people, we need to walk with God daily to pursue that intimacy. That's what God longs for with us. And that delights God's heart. He longs for us to walk with him and to enjoy intimacy with him. And I'm, I'm not saying that every day is going to be wonderful because we have struggles, we have battles. 
just I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I saw a really interesting piece written by Pete Gregg, who many of you will know. And he entitled it, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, quoting the U2 lyric. I don't know if any of you saw it. But I'm just going to read a bit from it, because it really struck me. He said, I am comforted by the common experience of saints down the ages. They don't feel holier, but hungrier as the years go by. What have we been praying for this morning? They trust more because they know less and less. And so, being as honest as I can, I sometimes feel God's presence tangibly, but often I don't. It cannot and should not be a continual emotional high. That's the reality. I think sometimes we beat ourselves up. We think, oh, I should be walking with God. I should be feeling that emotional intimacy every day. But there's no should about it. It doesn't always feel like that. And that's okay. It doesn't mean God's gone anywhere. We can still walk with him every day. But our feelings don't always match the truth. And that's, that really is okay. And that really encouraged me reading that. He got some stick from other people. Some of the comments on Facebook were, well, you should be able to feel it. But, but actually, that's the reality. And I'd much rather be honest that it's not always easy. It doesn't stop us continuing to seek God daily, to walk with him, even through the desert places and the dark places. Because there will be those places. And that's okay. That's how we live the faith-filled life, isn't it? And if we do that, we will stand out from the crowd. We will stand out from the culture around us. Faithful, godly people will stand distinct because they will make a difference to the world around them. That's you and me. We actually will. Whether, whether we feel it or not. Why? Because... Our obedience to God notices. It really does. Noah absolutely stood out. If you, if you build a boat in the middle of dry land 500 miles from the nearest ocean, where it hasn't rained before, a thousand times too big for your immediate family, people are going to notice. And our faith isn't invisible. Sometimes I think we think it is, but it's actually not and it's not a passive thing. Faith is really dynamic. And it is the activities of people of faith that have changed the course of human history. That's a big statement, but it's true. I, it can be tempting, I think. It can be really tempting to think that our acts of faith are small and insignificant compared to a 120-year boat-building project. <laughs> but they're not. They're not. And those around us will see something different, even if they don't like to admit it. Because we're being obedient to God. Really, really recently, I've, I've been in a, a really difficult situation which has caused a lot of pain. And the, the worldly wisdom was to, is, is to kind of remove, come out of the situation. And it's a, it's a temptation, isn't it, when stuff is hard to kind of go, oh, I'm just going to get out of that because that's too hard. But actually, when we check it out with God, sometimes he says, stay put. It doesn't matter that it's hard. I know it's hard. I'm with you. Stay put. And to those around me, those little acts of obedience make a big difference. And it's true for all of us. 
But the other thing I want to say about obedience is that it has to be complete. Genesis 26:22 said, Noah did everything just as, as God commanded him. And actually, in Genesis 7, verse 5, it says, Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. I think sometimes we can be quite pleased when we think, well, I've nearly done everything. <laughs> I've almost completed what he asked me to do. But as I heard someone say recently, partial obedience is actually disobedience. Oh, <laughs> that's not comfortable. But it's true. <laughs> we need to listen to God and we need to do everything he says. You never know who's watching, actually. So it's only complete obedience that we can even call obedience. And I, I reckon that Noah's total obedience was costly to him. It must have been. If you actually read the account in Genesis, it tells us that it took him 120 years to complete the task. I mean, that's kind of beyond our imagining, isn't it? But in that 120 years, literally nothing happened to indicate that what God said was going to happen was going to happen. It didn't rain. There weren't any storms. There weren't even any little floods. What must that have been like for him? I mean, he, he must have experienced mockery. He must have done. Because what he was doing looked so ridiculous. But we know, because scripture tells us, that he didn't quit. He persevered. And he remained faithful and he endured. And he must have endured the mockery and the misunderstanding. And actually, he was building so much more than a boat. <laughs> he, he, was, he was building a godly example of what it is to walk in obedience. Not just for his family, but for all of us. That the, our, our verse today, Hebrews 11.7, says he built the ark to save his family in holy fear. And that's important. We, I'm sure we all know the verse. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, humanly speaking, Noah's mission was, was pretty impossible, I think. He needed God's supernatural equipping to be able to do that, I reckon. He needed to hear from God to stay on course. How easy would it be to give up? over that length of time when you've got no evidence whatsoever that what you've heard is right. And those instructions that God gave him were incredibly specific. The dimensions, the materials. He needed God, God's wisdom, he needed God's strength, he needed God's instruction to accomplish it. And we're no different, you know? We need God's instruction. And wisdom. In order to stay on course, actually, in order to walk with God and to stay on course and to do the things that He's calling us to. We need His instruction for every part of our lives, for our work, for our friends, for our families. We can't do it without hearing Him. A couple of years ago, someone in our family bought an IKEA bookcase and they rushed ahead and made it 
without really following the instructions. And you can see which one it is because the plinth on the bottom is permanently back to front. Because <laughs> they didn't follow the instructions. It wasn't me or Laurie, just, just saying. <laughs> we need to follow God's instructions if we're going to get it right. And, and actually, I, in, in preparing for this this morning, I've been amazed how much we can learn from Noah. Because it's such a familiar story and because we think about animals coming in two by two, we kind of almost take it for granted. But I think there's so much in that story about his obedience and how costly it must have been, about fear of the Lord, about trust, about walking daily with the Lord. But I want to finish, and this might surprise you because my favourite verse is not one that we've actually read yet. It's Genesis 7, 16. After Noah had fulfilled everything that God had told him to do, he and his family and all the animals had entered the ark. The Lord shut the door. <laughs> that verse absolutely jumped out at me because I've been thinking about this quite a lot. When we do our part, when we're obedient, God always does his. God shut the door. He does the bit we can't do. I don't think Noah could have done that, actually. The size of it, and he was on the other side of it. And so, to me, that is the thing that kind of keeps me going. That's the thing that causes me to push in, because I know that God will be faithful, and he will do what he needs to do when we do what we're called to do. So when the storms of life come, God, God always protects us. We've been protected through the storm in the natural this week, haven't we? There's been damage around, but God has protected us. He, he does the things we cannot do. And it doesn't mean that he removes us from the storm. I think sometimes we just want to be removed. I know that's true for me. In the last couple of weeks, I've wanted the Lord to just take me out of the storm that's been going on in a particular area of life because I've just not wanted to face it. God hasn't done that, but he's sustaining me. He's protecting me. He doesn't let the storms of life take us out. He actually matures us as we go through the process. And that's a very beautiful thing. God does what only he can do. And he always, always blesses faithful obedience when we trust in him. Amen.